the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we read uh, through verses 4 through 7. And in those verses, Paul talks about how clearly these Thessalonians showed themselves to be the elect of God. They showed themselves by their reception of the message, but also how the message came with power. That the word came to them with power, and they received it with conviction. And they received it with a, with, in other words, they owned it. They weren't just passively listening. It sunk deep within them and it sprang up through them and they owned the message. You know, there's a difference when somebody is telling you a story that they heard somewhere else. Or when somebody's giving you a testimony of something that happened to them. And when these Thessalonians spoke of the work of Christ within them, the understanding of their understanding of who Christ was, they spoke with conviction. Because they weren't just talking about somebody else's message. They were giving testimony to the truth of what God had revealed of Himself to them. But now, as new creations, they were giving testimony of who they are. You know, we're confused about who we are most of the time, aren't we? I ask you who you are and you'll tell me your name. I ask you who you are and you'll tell me what you do. I ask who you are and you'll tell me that you are a football player, that you are a uh, businessman. I might even tell you I'm a preacher. But you know the reality of it is, who I am, I'm a child of God. That's who I am. That's the core of it. That's the truth of it. That has it in principle. That's the context of my life. You know, the impact of salvation was such on the lives of these these Thessalonians. And the Thessalonians were former idol worshippers. They were deep into idolatry. The majority of them were Gentile idol worshippers. Some of them were Reformed Jews. But the majority of them were, were Gentile idol worshippers. And as they came forth from this really immoral, corrupt town and started giving testimony to the work of God in their lives, the people around them were absolutely amazed. So amazed that they began to talk about it. And the thing about these Thessalonians is 
they didn't just receive the message in their ears or from a testimony, but they embraced it with their lives. There's a difference. They embraced it with their lives. They began to shape their lives around the truth within them. Now, how many of us have actually done that? How many of us have actually started allowing the truth within us to be the context from which we live? So that our lives are formed around the Christ in us, rather than our Christ in us being shaped around the lives that we have. Rather than inviting God into our situation, being with God in the situation. It's a big difference. It's a huge difference in the Christian's life, whether he is participating in this life, participating in the union he has with Christ, living it out, or just professing it. Are we believing it and making it a part of our lives? Or is it our lives? Well, for these people, it was their lives. You see, it was no longer for them about pleasing an idol to protect and prosper themselves. It was about being a new creation that had its life in God. They began to imitate Paul for the purpose of aligning their new behavior with their new identity. You know, Paul says in verse 6, he says, And you set yourselves to become imitators of us and through us of the Lord himself. For you welcomed our message in spite of much persecution with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. See, I don't believe they were asking Paul what to do next. I believe they were seeking to grow and know. I believe they were so excited about what God had awakened in and what God had placed in them that they wanted to live it out. There was an excitement and enthusiasm of going forward. It's like giving a teenager a new car. They want to drive. They don't care where it's going. They don't care what kind of direction it needs to go. They just want to get in and drive. That's the excitement. You know, the reality of it is that they had a new life. And they wanted to experience, to live it out. And they saw through the life of Paul that God was working and living and active. And they said, you know what? That's what Christianity must look like. I'm going to follow. Because here's the thing. I think that if I imitate what Paul is doing, I'll be imitating the life within me. I'll be imitating what is in him that is in me. You see, it wasn't about his behavior. It was about his yieldedness to the Spirit of God. whole different thing. They welcomed the message and they didn't consider the cost. In fact, they were facing severe persecution. I have no doubt that by receiving this message, they were facing rejection from their friends, from their family. I imagine jobs were lost. I imagine businesses had to close. I would imagine that there was all kinds of issues, including threats against their family, threats of imprisonment and actual imprisonment. You could look at their lives and you say, yeah, you know what? Their lives actually speak of a true conviction. Their lives actually speak of a, of a true transformation. Not that those things were not important. They, they did not just cast those things away saying, oh, it's okay if I lose them. But you know what? These Thessalonians were now viewing life from a whole different context. And I'm not saying that they were any better Christians than you are, you or I, but I am saying they valued their relationship with Jesus above all else. They made that relationship their reality. 
They made it their purpose and their life. So much so that persecution, persecution could not compare with the joy that they have in Christ. Conviction and power flowed out of their yielded lives. And it was so remarkable that other believers looked at them and said, You know what? That's what the Christian life should look like. That's what the Christian life should look like. I think we'll pattern our life after that. Now look, guys, this is not people doing it well. Please don't misunderstand me. This is not people doing it well. This is not people who've come up with a methodology on how to live the Christian life and they're performing it beautifully. What this truly is, is lives that are so yielded to the life of Christ within them that people around them are seeing that life being manifested. They're seeing the character and the truth of Christ being lived out. This is a group of people who have bought this body and soul and who are expressing it everywhere they go. And people saw Jesus. And when they saw Jesus, they began to talk. And they say, you know what? There's something different here. This doesn't look like what I've seen around other places. This must be, this must be what it really looks like. I'm going to pattern my life after that. The conviction and power that flowed through the Thessalonians was so remarkable that they wanted to look like that. In verse 7, Paul says, So that you thus became a pattern to all believers, those who adhere to, trust in, and rely on Christ in Macedonia and Achaia and most of Greece. Now, most of Greece knew of the faith and the conviction of these Thessalonians. And the believers saw them as an example of Christian living. Now, this is pretty remarkable, considering that there was no news media, considering that there was no newspaper. Typically, if they received news, they either received it from somebody who had come from there, or they received a letter from somebody who had come from there. And in those days, they had to be hand-carried over hundreds of miles through dangerous territories on what passed for roads or paths, and they would arrive, and generally, they would have only the most important information in them because you weren't going to spend a lot of ink on trivialities when you only got a letter through maybe once every few years. The bottom line is that this was so impactful, that this transformation in the lives of these people was so great that the people saw a dramatic difference in them, and they began to talk about it on their own. They begin to give testimony of it. It began to spread. That doesn't happen very often, does it? Even with the news media. Probably in spite of the news media. See, they were walking in the truth. And the truth was shedding the light. And the truth was revealing itself for what it is. And the people were blessed. Now, here's the thing. Paul says that they were so known throughout Greece that the people that were receiving this message were spreading it further and further and further. It became viral. Now we get to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, which is our text for today. Verse 8. For not only has the word concerning and from the Lord resounded forth from you unmistakably in Macedonia and Achaia, but all, everywhere the report has gone forth of your faith in God, of your leaning, of your whole personality on Him in complete trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. So, 
find that we never need to tell people anything further about it. In other words, they didn't have to ask. For they themselves volunteer testimony concerning us, telling us what an entrance we had among you and how you turned to God from your idols to serve a God who is alive and true and genuine. And how you look forward to await the coming of the Son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, Jesus, who personally rescues and delivers us from out from the wrath, bringing punishment, which is coming upon the impenitent, and draws us to himself, investing us with all the privileges and rewards of the new life in Christ the Messiah. Now, in the beginning of verse 8, Paul says, The word concerning and from the Lord resounded in you. And that's Paul saying that God spoke through you, and you clearly echoed his word. And this word is not somebody just speaking scripture or reading scripture. Literally, this word is a word that is spoken by God. It's the picture of a person literally gripping you with his words by the soul. That he is speaking directly to you powerfully and that it is impactful to you. The word is not just something we read. The word goes so far beyond that. When he speaks of the word, the logos spoken of God, spoken by God, what he is really saying to you is that God is speaking directly to you. He is speaking his heart for you. It's not just something we read. It is something we experience. Now think about it. Many of us have sat and read the Bible and read it, read a whole chapter because we were trying to get through the Bible in a year for whatever reason. And we've read chapters, and we've read sections of the Bible, and walked away with zip. Right? How many of us have done that? I imagine we all have at one time or another. But that, that's the difference. That illustrates the difference. At the same time, you've been at the 7-Eleven, and somebody reached out for help, and you felt like ministering to them. You begin to speak to them, and all of a sudden, the scripture you read that was dead a week ago has just become alive in your mouth. And you're like, wow, I had the Word. I had the Word. I spoke the Word. But it wasn't your Word. You resounded. You echoed what God spoke. That's what these Thessalonians were doing. The word resounded in them. It was evidenced in the faith of the Thessalonians that their lives were a demonstration of their faith and God's faithfulness. And I want you to look at that. He talked about in the report of your faith has gone forth. Your faith in God. And and of course the Amplified, I love the way it takes it out there. It says, of your leaning, of your whole personality on Him in complete trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. It takes faith. And here's the thing. This is not a faith that is in the work of God. Its object is not the work of God. You know, we have a lot of that in Christianity today. We have a lot of faith in the work of God. Want you to believe by faith that God is going to do. Right? Want you to believe in faith that God is going to. It's always many times about the work of God, to have faith in the work of God. But this is not faith in the work of God. The object of their faith was God. It was the person of God. 
It went far beyond the work of God. It was the person itself. It was on the sovereignty of God. It was on the personality of God. It was on who God was. Now here's the, here's the thing, guys. When you come across situations and things in your life where you feel like you need to go before the Lord and petition Him or talk to Him about it, and you say, Lord, I need faith in this area. I need to grow my faith. Listen, let me tell you something. Faith is not something you grow. It's something that you exercise. <laughs> so here's the reality of it. That when those things occur in your life, God is inviting you not to trust in what He'll do, but to trust in Him. There are things in my life that I know that need resolution. There are things in my life that I know that need Him to come to, come to an ultimate solution. I know those things. But here's the way I have to look at it. I come to Him in faith, believing upon who He is, that whatever He does, it will be the very best for me. I'm not trusting that He will do. I am trusting in who He is. That's the purpose of faith. That's how we grow. And these people's faith was being, was, was being talked about. It was absolutely impressive. And why is that? Because I'm going to be impressed with a guy whose faith is all about the character and the truth of who God is. I'm not impressed with the name it and claim it group. I'm not impressed with that because it's all about what they can manipulate and talk God into. I am interested in the guy who says, you know what? I don't care that I was stoned. I don't care that I was beaten. I don't care that everyone deserted me. I don't care that I was shipwrecked. I don't care that life escaped me. I don't care that only two people showed up. I don't care what happened. I trust the God, the God of my salvation. I will not be shaken in my faith. That's the faith that is remarkable. That is the faith that is miraculous. Anything else is a forgery, and it's man-centered. The evidence of their faith was being, being seen all about them. And I want, I want you to also notice that this was in a present tense. It says this is an ongoing work. And I want you to see the thing about these Thessalonians. They believed that the Christian life was to be so yielded to the will of God that His expression is their expression, that His purpose is their purpose, that to be different from the world in nearly every way was not weird but normal. Do you feel that way as a Christian? Are you still trying to reconcile your desire to fit in with the world and being a Christian? Are you just wanting to have a Christian-esque life so that the world doesn't see too much contrast? That's the question. These people lived in contrast. Such a stark contrast that the people around them were talking. The tense is present tense. It's ongoing. They believe a normal Christian life is living the way they lived. The power and contrast of the life of Christ in these Thessalonians needed no testimony from Paul. It needed no, no assertion from Paul. Paul didn't have to send out bulletins or, or, or send out messages everywhere to let everybody know about these people. It was becoming known everywhere they went. Light in the midst of darkness doesn't need any help being seen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty 
and glory of God, as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ the Messiah. However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. The message showed itself in power. It showed itself to be from God. Now here, this is a frustrating thing for a lot of Christians. They realize that they have Christ as their life. They realize that that He is within them and that He is working in the circumstances of their life. But many of them are constantly begging for some affirmation of this to be going on. They're constantly looking for some sense or some sign that God is working. Well, you know what this verse says? In essence, he says that the power and the work of God is done in such a way that it can only be seen as God. And that is the frustration of a lot of Christians. Because they want it to be seen as them. They want it to be their ministry. They want it to be their work. Well, I'm giving all the glory to God. Really? Are you? Listen. It's either the manifest glory of God being revealed through frail vessels of flesh or it is nothing but man's version of religion. It's not God at all. God will use it, but it's not the light that these Thessalonians were demonstrating. It was not what they were putting forth. Paul continues in verse 9. He says, For they themselves volunteer testimony concerning us, telling us what an entrance we had among you, and how you turned to God from your idols to serve a God who is alive and true and genuine. He's telling the Thessalonians that their lives were so changed by the power of God that people were talking about it. Paul says, They gave testimony to the entrance we had with you. You know what that entrance was? Paul's not talking about what he convinced them to do. That entrance was the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, spoke the word of truth through the pathway that God had opened, and they received it. He's given testimony to the work of God. He's not talking about how he went in and so many people were saved and he preached and so many people came down. Listen, he's talking about the fact that he yielded himself to the Lord and God did this work. It was representative of what God did. And people were talking about it. People were telling others. In actuality, Paul is quoting someone else's testimony about them. And if we were to paraphrase it, they would have said, listen, I don't know what you said, but it sure changed them. I don't know what you did down there, but there was definitely a change. They're sold out for God now, so much to the point that they've forsaken all their idols. The change was very spectacular because here's the thing, Paul didn't have to bring it up. This was not just passive gossip. This was excited testimony that was passing from believer to believer and even among the lost. Now, over a period of time, I've been putting on a little weight. And most of you have had the good taste not to mention it. But I know that if I were to show up here next Saturday weighing 500 pounds, the dramatic contrast would be such that a few people would be talking. It would get around, wouldn't it? I'm sure I'd end up on YouTube. But here's the reality of it. That's how dramatic the change was in the lives of these people. 
That's why it was being talked about. That's why people were saying, wow, have you seen these Thessalonians? And it, was, it wasn't just their, their turning to Christ. It wasn't just that they're Christians. There were other Christians. There were other believers. What it was is these guys were brand new Christians who had absolutely embraced the truth of the life of Christ within them to the point that the truth, the Word, became flesh in them. They were living it out. You know, there's nothing more remarkable than to see Jesus. I've seen it. You've seen it. You've been doing something or somebody come up and ask you a question or if you're a parent, you've had a child that was in need that has asked you for wisdom and you've said something and you don't have a clue where it came from. And you say, wow, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's remarkable. And you know what? I guarantee you, you told somebody about it. The reality is that the work of Christ is continuous. That the ministry of Christ never slows down. I don't care how old or how young you are. It is consistent. And it is going on. Now, if you're grieving over your inability to see it, then you're living in unbelief. I'm sorry that's a little harsh, but it's a reality. I don't see the work of God. I don't see the ministry of Christ. But He is my life. And one thing I know about Him, He's ministry. And He doesn't stop ministering. He's consistently ministering. And His life is touching. And His life is healing. And His life is significant. And His life is moving. And there are lives being changed. And I'm a part of that. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.